Wonderful. Isn't it great to see... I mean, I counted 26 people up here. Karen leading the worship. Isn't it wonderful? Aren't you blessed? And I, I, I didn't include Pastor Steve. I'm not sure whether he was in backing vocals or what he was doing, but it's wonderful. And um, great to be here on this very important Sunday. Just want to compliment you as a church from the, the welcome from the moment we came in uh, to the car park or your car park attendants. You don't get this at every, every church, you know. You get a really good welcome here, don't you? Well, you three, are, uh, you're with me, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can't please everybody, can you? Um, but when we came through the car park and, and, and all the way through to the door, through the church, welcome, 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 until I sat next to Pastor Andy here. And um, there we are. Uh, <laughs> it's a joy. I, I love this church and I love your pastors. And uh, that you are... Um, uh, you are a great church for the region, for the whole of Elam in the UK. I, we're very, in, an, in the nicest possible way to say, we're very proud of, of you, and, but we are, Elam are better for having um, Leeds BCC, and uh, we thank you. And uh, do, you, do you like being part of this church as well? Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. Okay, Paul, give me a wave. You're awake. Look at that, Paul. Me and Paul together. You're my favourite. Is there any administration staff here today? No, they're obviously having. Are you? Hi, you are the sole representative of the whole of the administration. I think you need a pay rise. I just want to save that for Easter Sunday to bring that publicly. I did say I'd mention it. Thank you. Okay. We sang a, a, a song that I hadn't sung for ages. Um, he is Lord. Isn't that a wonderful song? Did you, did you notice um, that it was written in 1986? Um, that's 33 years ago um, when it was written going to read to you a scripture where Paul wrote this 33 years after he was converted to Jesus Christ um, on the, that Damascus Road experience, two years after the resurrection of Jesus. Here's what it says. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12 to 14. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that. We are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. 
Amen? It's the centre of what we believe. It's the offence of the gospel. It's why there's only one way to heaven through Jesus Christ. It's why Jesus is far more than a prophet. It's why Jesus is the Son of God. He is God, God eternal, Alpha and Omega. It's why those who put their trust in him will never die but be raised to new life. It's why the churches in Sri Lanka continued to praise God on Easter Sunday morning despite warnings of what was to come to them this very morning. The greatest miracle is the miracle of the resurrection. So what is the evidence for the resurrection? And in this first service, that's what I want to address. How do we answer the critic who says, there is no resurrection? Firstly, I want to remind you and point you back to the crucifixion. I want to say this, that Jesus died on that cross. He was not resuscitated later. He did not faint. The suggestion that the Roman soldiers somehow crucified the wrong man is ludicrous. The chief priests and the Pharisees slandering Jesus on the cross, they knew it was Jesus. The soldiers who crucified Jesus were experts at crucifixion. Every historian concedes the truth that crucifixion was the death sentence. No one survives the crucifixion. In fact, many died under the Roman flogging. And prior to this, Jesus had suffered hermatidrosis, which is the extreme stress that he was under in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sweating blood. Jesus was giving out large amounts of blood from the flogging and then he's nailed to the cross where the word excruciating comes from, the word crucifixion. It means out of the cross. There's no other language that could describe the intense anguish felt during the crucifixion. If Jesus had come down from the cross and recovered later, what kind of condition would he have been in to inspire and motivate his followers to also lay their lives down for a lie that Jesus had been raised? According to history and legend and thought process, Andrew was crucified in Greece. Bartholomew was crucified upside down in Georgia. James, son of Alphaeus, was stoned to death in Jerusalem. James, son of Zebedee, was killed in prison by beheading. Peter crucified upside down in Rome. Philip crucified upside down in in Hierapolis. Thomas speared to death in India. Again and again and throughout of the last 2,000 years, it just does not make sense. It's easier to accept the fact from Jewish writers as well as Christian historical writers that Jesus did die on the cross. How do we answer the critic who says there is no resurrection, the crucifixion? Secondly, the empty tomb, amen? The empty tomb. Let's look at the evidence of Jerusalem. 
Peter preaches in Acts 2.24, he says this, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. He preaches this in Jerusalem. If there's no empty tomb, then don't talk about it in the very city where the tomb was and where the people would know whether you're making this up or not. Don't begin the church there in Jerusalem. Begin it some in another nation. Don't begin in the very place. The evidence from the enemy. Matthew's gospel says to us in Matthew 28, when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And so the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. This argument is not used so much now because most people understand that it's just nonsense to think that the soldiers would have let the disciples steal the body or that the disciples would willingly be martyred for a stolen dead body. The fact that such a story was made up only points a finger to the empty tomb. Let me give you the evidence from the, from the women. It was women... Can I hear amen? That was rubbish. I'll ask for one later on. Get ready. It was women who first saw the empty tomb. We need to understand the role of women in that society. Women could not even testify in the court of law. There was old rabbinical sayings about women. They would say things like this. Let the words of the law be burned rather than delivered to women. Blessed is he whose children are male, but woe to him whose children are female. Now, if the gospel writers were wanting to make up the resurrection story, they would not have used women. They would not have used women as being the first eyewitnesses to an empty tomb. That's, that's ridiculous. It would not have been credible. They would have said Peter went or the other men went first. Maybe the women later. But not women to go and verify a resurrection story when women were not accepted in, the, in society for their word. How do we answer the critic who says there's no resurrection? The crucifixion, the empty tomb. Thirdly, people saw a risen Jesus. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene, he appears to other women, he appears to Cleopas and another disciple on the road to Emmaus. Then there's other accounts where he appears to the 11 disciples and others, to another time when there's 10 apostles but Thomas isn't present. Then he appears to Thomas and there's another apostle present. There's seven apostles at one time, he visits them. Then there's the, all of the disciples. Then he... He has the apostles at the, on the Mount of Olives for their commissioning. In Acts chapter 13, it says, God raised 
him from the dead. And for many days, he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. If you totted it all up, there was a total of at least 552 people on 13 different occasions. And Paul says this. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, Peter, and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. And only 33 years later... He says, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, meaning death. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as one who's abnormally born. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lesser apostle. Most of whom are still living. I'm telling you this, I'm writing this letter to you, and I'm saying there are people, there are men and women who are still alive today, who met the risen Jesus. Go and ask them. That's what Paul is saying. I'm not making it up. They're going to back up the story. These people really did believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Not only because many had seen an empty tomb, but they had met Jesus after the resurrection. This was not an hallucination of Jesus. They were there. A Jesus who touched them. A Jesus who ate with them. Who spoke with them. They didn't believe it. They knew it. How do we answer the critic that says there's no resurrection? The crucifixion. The empty tomb. There's people who saw a risen Jesus let me tell you the fourth thing. Early writings. So, as I've explained, it's widely believed that the cross, the resurrection, happened in A.D. 30. Paul's converted two years later, A.D. 32. In A.D. 35, Paul goes to Jerusalem to meet Peter and James. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul writes this. After three years... I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. That's Peter. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. Now, acquainted, the word means, not acquainted in or how are you getting on, getting to know you, what's your name? Acquainted is that he investigated the data of what Peter, Cephas had and what James had. Paul has recently converted, he's met Christ on the Damascus Road experience. And now he's with Peter and with James. What do you know? Tell me what you know. What did Paul receive from Peter and James? He received this. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. We've just read it. What I received... I passed on to you as of first importance. This is it. It's a creed. A creed. Similar to the Apostle Creed that you would know. 
Here's a creed that Peter and James has given to Paul. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul says when he writes to the, the Corinthian church, the Corinthians, I, I, I got this creed from somewhere else. Now, the Corinthian letter was written, like I explained at the beginning, was written in AD 55, 25 years later. But the creed was around in oral tradition for 20 years before he wrote it. So this creed, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that was a creed that was in oral tradition prior to Paul writing it down for at least 20 years. If that's a legend, if that's made up, then it's the first ever legend to emerge in such a short time span of the event ever in the whole of history. We believe other legends that have hundreds, two hundreds years after the event. This is in such a short time span. How do we answer the critic who says there's no resurrection? The crucifixion, the empty tomb. People saw a risen Jesus. Early writings, the transformation of lives is the fifth one. The conversion of Paul he was known as Saul of Tarsus, the leading Pharisee. And he was the killer of Christians. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 9, he was said this. Similar to the abnormally born. I am the least of the apostles. I do not even deserve to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. Paul was one of those the ISIS brigade who destroyed Sri Lanka Christians' lives today. That's who he was. But he turned around. Not only did he turn around and stop killing Christians, not only did he become a nicer man, but he was willing himself to suffer as a Christian in the same way that he had perpetrated he was willing to be flogged and stoned. He went through hunger. He, he went through poverty. He was willing to die. He was willing to be beheaded in Rome. Why? Why, why would he do all of that? Because he had met the risen Jesus. Let me give you, secondly, the conversion of James. We read just a few minutes ago. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. The half-brother of Jesus. Not a disciple. Not one of those who would follow Jesus as, as he had three years of ministry around Galilee. Now what convinces you that your half-brother is the Son of God? Only the risen Jesus. Only the risen Jesus. And so much so that James will die for the faith. Let me give you a final conversion. It's you. 
give me a big hand up. If your conversion, if your life change, if God has done something in you, which actually points to the critic to say, look, you want proof of the resurrection? Look at me. Give me a hand wave. Hallelujah. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Forever he is glorified. Forever he is lifted eye. Forever he is risen. He is alive. He is alive. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. His perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected king has rendered you defeated. Friends, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is here. This is not some belief. It's there. The crucifixion, the empty tomb, the accounts of the historical accounts of people seeing a risen Jesus, early writings and oral traditions and creeds. So soon after the event. And the testimony of men and women and young people in this church today. This church doesn't ask you to be part of a religion. We don't even ask you to be part of a church. But we do ask you. To come to know a risen Jesus, Lord and Savior. The one who's still today in 2019 is changing lives. And proving to the critic that the resurrection did happen. And that's why, my friends, right across the world, when faced against terrorism, Christians say, it's okay. Because he lives, not only can I face what's coming, but because he lives, I will live. Because he is resurrected, he will resurrect me to eternal life. What about you, my friend? Church will not make you a Christian. I don't know, you may be a 100% congregation here And all of you are firm believers and followers of the risen Jesus. Or you may be one who's come to church for the first time. Or maybe you have been coming for a while and you're just exploring. I'm going to pray right now. And this moment, right now at this moment, can be a moment when you can say a very important prayer. To the risen Jesus. Let's pray that prayer right now. 
just going to ask you to close your eyes and pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud. I'm going to ask for everyone to pray this prayer out loud so that this, this, this room is just filled with the sound of prayer as we commit our life to Jesus, the risen Lord, the risen Savior of our life. Here is that prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, that's right, just repeat it out loud just so you can hear it. Dear Lord Jesus, I now believe. I choose to believe that Jesus, you died you were buried and three days later you, ra- you rose again. I choose to follow you. Will you forgive me for all the things I have done wrong before you? Will you give me a new beginning? Today, right now. I give my life to you. Be my Lord. And be my Savior. Amen. Before you lift your head up, before you open your eyes. Did anybody pray that prayer either for the first time or very significantly it was a return to Jesus prayer? Can you just, where you're sitting, just lift your hand up because I, I want the ushers to come quietly and give you something that will help you in these next few hours and days. Thank you. See that hand? Just keep your hand raised high, just high so people can see you. That's it there as well. And one of, just lift your hand, making sure, that's it. That's it there. So anybody else, you prayed that prayer for the first time, or you prayed it, it was a significant moment for you. My friends, that was the most important prayer you will have ever prayed in your life. And I want to do two things, uh, suggest two things to you. Firstly, Do not leave this building without speaking to somebody. You can do that by going to the desk with what you've been given and just tell somebody you prayed that prayer because somebody will want to pray with you again. Secondly, I understand there's an Alpha course coming up very soon and uh, next Sunday and you can go to the desk. The Alpha course will help you get established as a follower of Jesus. It's a course for people like you who have responded and who will and it's a great course for you so go to the the desk and and tell them that you'd like to be part of that as well can we just give god glory and thanks that this morning people have decided to follow jesus as lord and savior can we give god praise we thank you jesus and now lord as we give you praise We give you praise for those people this morning who decided to believe in the risen Jesus. Now, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit will fill their life, 
and change their life. That they may truly begin a new day today. And those people who will help them at the desk and will pray with them, those who will, as they go on the Alpha course, God, that their journey with you will be one which is going to be exciting, filled with hope, filled with a new future. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.